Acts chapter 4, verse 23 is where we're jumping in today. Verse 23, you guys, the name of the message today is pray for boldness, and we're going to do just that at the end of today. But let's look back at where we were, where we've been, right? We've been looking last week specifically, we saw, right? We've been kind of looking from the time of Pentecost, right? Whenever this Holy Spirit fell and people spoke in tongues and it was crazy and all this stuff was going on and like a bunch of people, 3,000 people, right? Came to the Lord right then and there. And it was this crazy moment. Was it 5,000? 5,000. Three? 3,000 men. Okay, I get it mixed up. Hold on. Yeah, and then 5,000 came next. You're right. Okay, so it's 3,000 men, so that we don't know how many women and children were involved in that process, right? So this was a big, huge build of the church almost instantaneously. But then we looked from there, and we saw that, man, like they, Peter and John, they were going up to the temple, as was their custom. This was at three in the afternoon, right? We talked about the fact that, man, some people in our church struggle to make it once a month. Y'all, if you, you can just thank God you're not a Jew. Jews went to church three times a day. So what we saw, though, was that they were going up, remember? And they, there was this guy, this lame guy that was there. Not lame because he was silly. Lame because he was lame, right? He couldn't walk. And so he was there, and he had been there his whole life, right? And we find out, last week we found out he was like over 40 years old. So he had been doing this for a long, long time, that people had been bringing him, setting him there between the beautiful, the gate called beautiful, the beautiful gate, right, and the, and the temple, and so here he was, and they were, who knows how many times Peter and John had walked by him. Who knows how many times you guys, maybe even Jesus had walked by him. We don't know. But it was this particular time that he was like asking for alms, asking for money, you know? And Peter and John are like, hey, we ain't got no gold and silver, but what we have, we give to you. Stand up and walk. And he stood up and he walked. And we talked at length about this idea that like, man, we get all wrapped up in the church today about like, well, we need more faith. And if we have more faith, God's going to move. And I can tell you this, I do believe wholeheartedly that if God wants Mount Everest to move and you have the faith to move it, that God can move it. I also believe you can have the faith that's way more than a mustard seed. And if God doesn't want Mount Everest to move, you're not going to move it. Does that make sense? So we get too wrapped up in these verses sometimes and turn them into something they're not. Whose faith was involved here? The answer is yes. Peter and John had to have faith to be able to see this guy and say, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Do you want me to say these things to that guy? That guy had to have the faith whenever they said, hey, stand up and walk to say, you know, I mean, think about it. You've been lame your whole life. You have two little sticks for legs. You could easily be like, no, the doctor said I shouldn't. You could make any other number of excuses, but he was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So he had to have faith in Christ. That Christ was going to do something in his, in his body. Right, Because this probably wasn't just a muscle thing. This was probably a nerve thing. And you guys, I've been privileged to be able to witness someone that just, no one, by the way, there was no real, like, you know, you know how like nowadays you got like people swinging their jackets. I don't wear jackets for that reason. If I swung it once, everybody would fall over. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we see those things, right? We see these weird things on TV. We see these things where it's like you have to lay your hand, not just lay your hand on somebody's head. You have to push them back like, in the name of Jesus, and then things are done. And that's not not of the Lord, you guys. Now, can God use it? Yeah, he can. He can use anything. He used a donkey to talk. He can do anything he wants. But I did. I had the privilege, you guys, and I'm sharing this because I believe God still is in the business of healing. I saw a kid that had been in a wheelchair his whole life. His legs didn't work in Nebraska. He always sat down front. Why? Because he was in a wheelchair and there were steps, so he couldn't go up. And so he sat down front. That was where he sat. And he was there and we were in service one day and he was just in prayer and seeking the Lord. And all of a sudden he just stood up and started walking. It was wobbly, but he walked and you got to understand it wasn't again because his muscles weren't strong. He couldn't move his legs, guys. And yet he started moving his legs. I saw it happen with my own two eyes. Was there a little bit of chaos? Heck yeah. The youth group was the size of this church, y'all. It was a 4,000-person church. 250 kids like, what is going on? We're freaking out because he's like, hey. And his mom and dad come running across the church, and they're like holding on to him, and they're crying, and everyone's bawling and crying, and everything's going on. And they they bring down a microphone like, what? Why did you just, what happened? And he's like, I was asking Jesus if I could walk. I wanted to walk. And he's like, man, I felt like Jesus said, get up. And so he's like, I did. (laughs) That was it. 
God can do anything he wants, and it doesn't require a certain person praying over you, and it doesn't require any of those weird things. Does he do it all the time? No. No, he doesn't. But I know he does it sometimes. So we looked at this guy that was healed. And then we saw last week, you guys, what happened. Well, the religious leaders were super stoked that this guy was healed. And they came over and they were like, hey, wow. No. <laughs> no. They went and they laid hands on Peter and John. That's what it says, right? They came, they came upon them is what it says. And what does it mean? It means they laid hands on them. They beat them up. They roughed them up. They're like, you need to shut your mouths right now and get out of here. Why? Because they were like, hey, why are you looking at us? Jesus did this to this guy. Jesus is the one that healed this guy. It's Jesus, the guy that you killed. Your murdered Messiah that you took a murderer in place of, right? It's he that, it's he's the one that did it. And they're like, and you did this in ignorance, but guess what? It's easy. Repent. And we talked about the fact that repent is not an ugly word like we've turned it into. Neither is sin, by the way. Sin is just a fact of life. Sin is like saying, I've got to do the laundry. Yes, you do. And yes, you are a sinner. Those are facts, right? The truth is, I'm not minimizing sin, by the way. It's a, it's a disgusting, nasty thing, just like your laundry can be sometimes, especially if you let it sit for a really long time. But the reality is, you guys, is there's this thing, sin, but repentance is the most beautiful word in the world because the only reason we even know that word and the only reason we can even hold on to that word, you guys, is because Jesus died and rose again. That word would not exist in our vocabulary. We would not be able to, I mean, it would, might exist, but we wouldn't be able to grab hold of it without Jesus dying and rising again because that's the only way we can say, God, I put all my sin, all of my garbage upon this man, this perfect God in flesh man that walked this earth and died a perfect death and rose again for us. I put all of my garbage on you. I repent of it. I walk away from it. It's a beautiful word. And we saw that 5,000 men came to the Lord at that moment. Who knows how many women and children? You guys, do you realize that this church just went from 11-ish, well, probably 120-ish that we saw in the upper room to possibly over 10,000, at least 8,000, quickly, like within weeks. These religious leaders, though, they took Peter and John away, and they held them overnight. And the next day, they got them out. And the religious leaders, you guys, they were afraid. They were super afraid. And I want us to think about this. They had killed Jesus thinking, we're going to end this whole thing. We're going to take Jesus out and this whole thing's going to die. And by the way, that was a good precedent because there were a lot of false messiahs that were raised up. Did you, I probably shouldn't say this because it's kind of a not a good movie, but The Life of Brian by Monty Python. Anybody ever see that movie? Yeah, don't applaud that. It's not funny. No. There's a lot of false messiahs. The whole Monty Python was mocking that whole thing. They're like, Brian, this guy Brian is a false messiah, right? And he loses his sandal while he's running. And they're like, everyone must take off one shoe. And so they all take off one shoe and run around just because Brian lost his shoe. So there's this thing that was happening in the day. But what they would do was they would crucify and kill the leader. And then the people would go away because they're like, well, I don't want that for me. That's what they thought was going to happen with Jesus. And if it would have been a false thing, I would say that would have happened. The fact that they didn't, you guys, the fact that there's not one of the followers here that died an easy death, the fact that they never just turned coat and said like, oh yeah, no, it was all a big hoax, tells you, it speaks to the veracity of the truth of it. Why would you die for this if it was all fake? But they pull them in and they're, these religious leaders, they're afraid. They saw that not only killing Jesus hadn't done anything, it actually made the church grow. We saw what they thought of Peter and John. You guys remember that? It was agramatoi idiotai. Agramatoi in the Greek. Ah in the front of any Greek word means the opposite of or, or not. And so it's not literate. Illiterate idiotai. What's that mean? Idiot. Illiterate idiots. That's what they thought of Peter and John in the Greek. That's literally what it says. I don't know why we've dumbed it down and said common men. I don't... Should have just called it illiterate idiots. But they also knew one other thing. They knew they had been with Jesus. So they're like, these illiterate idiots, something's different with them. They've hung out with Jesus. And we saw that they had warned Peter and John, man, don't you do this. Don't you keep going out and speaking in the name of Jesus or doing anything in his name. You need to stop this. 
They, guys, they had the power to beat them within an inch of their life. They had the power to put the screws to them, right? Figuratively, they had, the, you know, they had the ability to bring pain upon their lives, the ability to make them not have a job, the ability to really ruin everything about their lives. They thought they had all this power. And in a lot of ways, they did. And we looked at the fact that Peter showed respect to that power, didn't he? And when they said to him, like, hey, man, don't, don't go out and don't say these things, what did Peter say? He boldly responded. He said, look, you got a job to do, and your job is to judge whether this is from the Lord or not, and that's up to you what you do with that. But I know this. We all serve a God that's bigger than all of us, and I can't do anything except say what I believe is true, what I saw with my own eyes, and what I was told by Jesus. I can only do that. That's all I'm going to do. You've got to figure out what you're going to do. What was he saying? If you want to flog me and hurt me, you go right ahead. I'm going to keep talking about it. Church, we need to hear that. American church. You guys, we are not that far removed from Canada. There are Canadian pastors in jail right now because they're speaking the name of Christ and people don't like it. You don't think we're possibly going to get there? And yet here we are today in the comfort of our peace and quiet, essentially. And a lot of us are too afraid to even in our workplaces mention the name Jesus because we may get in trouble. Listen, I worked for the U.S. government for 15 years. I did get investigated twice. Both times I was found not guilty, basically, because I had a Satan worshiper that didn't like that I read my Bible, which kind of makes sense. (laughs) I didn't like that he had the Satanic Bible in his locker either, but I didn't say anything about that because I'm not a snitch. Snitches get stitches. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Snitches get prayer. (laughs) But you guys, they investigated me. And, and, you know, it's by God's grace. Listen, if we're doing the things that the Lord has laid out for us, I believe God has a hedge of protection around us. And so people came and they talked to all my coworkers. And my coworkers are like, yeah, he reads the Bible. And if anything, we go to him and we ask him questions and we try to stump him on things. And that's what they did all the time. They'd be like, well, what about this? And I'd be like, I have no idea. Let's look. That's a great question. What about this? I have no clue. Do you have a Bible? Let's get you a Bible. Let's look together. Awesome. Man, you want to talk about the Bible? Let's talk. But I did that, and they all just said, they're like, yeah, that's what happens. And so I was not found guilty. I didn't get in any trouble for that. You guys, there is a lot of freedom in our country specifically. And I got to tell you, if you are walking in the Spirit, and by the way, I don't do that all the time, but thankfully in these moments I was, I believe God has got you. Now, do I believe it's always going to work out that way? No, it could have easily worked out the other way. Does it change the fact that I was still going to read my word at work? Not at all. I wouldn't have changed that at all. I've done that at every job I've had since I became a Christian. I've been yelled at at a couple of them. And the only reason I couldn't get yelled at more is because every time I did it, I was on break. And so I'm like, I'm reading my Bible on my break. I'm eating my food and reading my Bible, eating my spiritual food. You can't get in trouble for things. Not as much as we seem to think we can. And here's Peter saying the same thing. Like, you think you're going to get me in trouble? You're not. You can maybe do something to me. And maybe something bad can come to me. But I'll tell you this. I'm going to boldly keep talking about who I know and what I've seen. So let's dig in what happens next. Verse 23 of chapter 4 in Acts says this. It says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests And the elders had said to them, Peter and John got released and immediately they went and they went to their friends and they were like, you guys won't believe what happened last night, right? They're like, whoa, it was amazing. You guys, they they couldn't wait to tell them about what happened, that they had been persecuted for the cause of Christ, just like Jesus had told them that that, 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 that would happen. You guys, this isn't going to be the first and only time that we see people getting excited about persecution. It happens all throughout, you guys. We're gonna, I was reading earlier, I was thinking about bringing it in, I'll just talk about it. You guys remember when uh, Paul, he goes walking out of Lystra, and they had sent people from Iconium, I think, and somewhere else, I can't remember exactly where, but two other people came from these other places that Paul had already been, and they stoned him to the point that they thought he died. They definitely knocked the guy out cold, and he was laying there, and like, ah, he's finally dead. Thank you. And they walked back in, and everyone comes running, and they're like, oh, no, Paul died. 
right. And he gets up and he's like, all right, guys, let's go back in. Yes! Yes! That's awesome. I pray that all of us have the same mindset and the same heart. I do. Because I think that's what's coming. And the reality is, you guys, we are protected. We have a chance now to be on the practice field, not on the game day field. People all throughout the world right now are on the game day field in Pakistan and in China and in Iran and in Turkey. All over the world, you guys, North Korea, they're in the game. They're in it. A pastor friend of mine flew to China before he passed. This was years ago. Flew to China and he was doing ministry in China and he actually turned over his church to a new pastor so he could go full time and just ministering to the Chinese pastors because they just, they don't get a lot of that. And so he was over there and he was saying that the first time he showed up that, that, that he came and, and he said, okay, yeah, like we're going to go through just a couple books in the Old Testament. We're going to just review them and just do like a kind of a, kind of a review of the Old Testament to get these pastors kind of more trained up. And these guys, they were like, okay, we're going to do that. And it's going to be tomorrow. And he was like, okay, tomorrow. Okay, great. Okay. And so he's like, maybe they just want to give me a day of rest. Here's what they did. You guys, people were coming miles upon miles upon miles upon miles. And they had done their due diligence to make sure that they were staggering their arrivals so that it didn't look suspicious. And they were doing this some by car, if you could afford it, many by bike, some walking, and they were arriving all throughout the night. So why was it the next day? Because everybody had to get there. And this house was packed full. And he said he taught these three books. And they're like, great, so what's next? And he's like, oh, okay, I only prepared for this. And so they taught the entire Old Testament. They taught the entire Old Testament. They went over a day. And some of these people had walked all night long to get there, and they just stayed awake and kept slamming coffee and kept talking and kept learning and kept growing. And then they all went back home, and they're like, would you stay, brother? Would you stay around? And he said, yeah, I can stay for a few more days. And so they all did their same thing, and they came back again, and they did the entire New Testament. You guys, this message today, I'm praying, and this whole book, and I've told you before, we picked this book. I felt like the Lord laid this book upon our hearts because I feel like we as a church are on the cusp of something. We're on the cusp of something, and I believe that the whole world is on the cusp of something. And I think the book of Acts is not a mistake. You guys, this is the start of the church. And church, we need to get back to it. We need to get back to a place where we start realizing that our comforts can quickly disappear. And what will matter at the end of that? You guys, they couldn't wait to talk about what had happened. They were given an opportunity to share Christ, listen to this, with the entire leadership of Israel. It would be like us getting in so much trouble that the entire Congress calls us before them and is like, why are you talking about this guy? And you're like, because Jesus is awesome. He died and rose again, you freaks. You need him. Woo! That would be awesome. And you're like, do you know we can kill you? Go ahead. Somebody will take my place. It's happening in other countries. Why do we think it might not happen here? I'm not trying to be a doomsayer. I love our country. I love the freedom we have. And I want us to walk Christians in the freedom that we have here in this country. Country, But we are not walking in the freedom we have in the Holy Spirit. And that matters a lot more. We're walking in the timidity of the Holy Spirit because we're Americans. Come on, y'all. I serve a king in a kingdom, and I have the privilege of voting for a president here. But I serve a king. Amen. You guys, they, <laughs> these illiterate idiots, just spoke the truth to the entire leadership of Israel. God had given them an opportunity that never, ever would have happened without the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, there was this lame guy that was not walking. I would imagine that he was a very vocal proponent of what Jesus did. I would imagine. I mean, wouldn't you be? Yeah. 
I get to share this story of my brother that just stood up and walked out of a wheelchair and from that day on walked with canes, something that the doctors literally were like, this shouldn't happen. This makes no sense. There is no nerve response. There was no nerve response. For years and years and years, he was paralyzed. Now there is nerve response to his legs. This is a miracle. They owned it because there was no other thing they could call it. I promise you, he talked a lot. Verse 24. When they heard all this stuff, these people, it says, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage? Or some translations may say, why did the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So when the group heard about this, I love it, man. They're super stoked. They're overwhelmed. They're excited. And what did they do? They immediately went to prayer. They were like, oh, man. They were so excited about what God had just done through these two guys. I'm sure jail wasn't fun and cuddly, right? I'm sure it wasn't great, guys. And yet they came out and they were so excited. And so we read here that they prayed, and they prayed with a very specific purpose. I need us to hear this. I'm going to talk about this a little bit because, again, I'm always, I, my goal through this whole book and really through the Bible and through, for us as a church, you guys, is to always find where the Holy Spirit wants us to be. And what I found in culture today here in America specifically is that we have these two things. And for those of you guys that have been here now for a while, if you're visiting, this is your first time, this is something that we say all the time. There's these two camps, right? One camp where they're chasing the Holy Spirit and the feelings and they want their hair to stand on end and they want that, yeah, right? They want that and I'm like, and they're chasing it and it's almost to an unhealthy level because they think they can womp it up and they can get the emotion and they can get those things and that's not right. But we have this other side here and I've said it before. I feel like our church maybe weighs to this side a little more than we should, which is this. I've got the Holy Spirit in me and I don't need anything else. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. The Bible makes it clear. You should be getting a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit constantly. I want to find the middle where I'm not chasing the emotion but where I'm not emotionless. Where I'm not chasing the power of the Spirit, but where I see the power of the Spirit at work in my life and in our lives. I want to find the center. We can on our own. We need God. We need to do what they're doing. Pray. Pray. And so they prayed, you guys. And they, when they did this, specifically in the Greek, it's interesting because in the, for those of you guys that are maybe reading out of the King James or New King James, it probably says like, he lifted up his voice or something to that effect. It's singular. Why? Because in the Greek, it is singular. What is it saying here? One person prayed and everyone agreed in prayer with them. One person prayed and everybody agreed in prayer with them. Why do I bring that up? It's another one of those weird things where some people are like, if we're not, if we are all a big cacophony and everyone's praying together, that is far more spiritual than the boring old way of everyone praying one at a time. Do you guys ever see that? No, just me? I went to a hyper-Pentecostal church when I got saved. My parents thought I was in a cult. It was nuts, man. There were things that happened there now that I look back that I know the word a lot more that I'm like, eh. It was iffy at best, right? Everybody like, ay, 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 in tongues all together at the same time. Blah! Nobody understood anything. And then we'd be like, oh, that was amazing. <laughs> nobody could agree with anything because nobody understood each other and everybody else was praying all at the same time. I don't know that that's correct. However, on the day of Pentecost, when they spoke in tongues, do you think that sounded orderly? Probably not. So I'm not 100% sold that there isn't another way to pray. However, God moves in prayer however it's done, and that's my main point here. It doesn't matter how it's done. It's not less spiritual to have one person pray if everyone is in agreement with the prayer, meaning you are praying along with that person in prayer saying, Lord, I agree. God, I am with that. Lord, I want that as much as that person that is praying that. God, that's what I desire in my life. Lord, I want more of that. 
And you're almost praying to yourself in the, in the context of that prayer, praying along with that person, right? That's a powerful prayer. God moves in that. I do believe, and I've seen it, where God does move. When there's just a group of people, listen, if you watch anything, I have video from our brother David and Sarah, if you guys remember, from Pakistan. David got over to Pakistan right as, apparently, some Christian said something bad about Allah. And so they proceeded, because of a couple words, to burn down 40-plus churches to the ground to take women away to rape them. Basically, it was just a free-for-all. He was over there, and he sent me video, you guys, of prayer meetings. And I'm not showing the videos. He was like, oh, you can do whatever you want with them. I was bawling my eyes out. Do you think they were all praying at the same time? They, they were. Why? Because they're like, my kid, what's going on? And they're all praying at the same time. God heard those prayers. Do you understand? So I'm not saying there's one way to pray or not one way to pray. I'm trying to give us a clear understanding that God is in prayer, however it looks. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. There's not a prayer that's more spiritual than the other. The most spirit-filled prayer is the one that the Spirit is filling, the one that the Spirit's in, the one that you're saying, Holy Spirit, speak through me. Holy Spirit, put words in my head, put words in my mouth. Help me, Lord, to pray the things that you want me to pray. God, I don't even know what to pray half the time, so my groaning sometimes are my prayers. But here they are, they're praying. Prayer is amazing here. They're praying in agreement, recognizing, first off, look at this, who God is. They ask and they say, God, you are the God that created all things, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it. He made everything. They recognize who God is. And then their very next prayer is, they're quoting Psalm, one, or Psalm chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Why do the nations rage? Why are the Gentiles raging? And why do people stand against you, God, the almighty, sovereign God? Why are they standing against you? And Lord, you know, we got to see this take place. Those that came against your anointed and wanted to see Jesus, your anointed, die at the hands of Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel. But I want you to see that they also close this section of the prayer where they begin, recognizing, you guys, that God was not thrown off his throne when Jesus died. God was not thrown off his throne. He was not lacking in anything when this occurred. This happened because his hand wanted it to happen. This happened because it was a part of his plan. God uses all things together for good to those who love him, right? When we look around the world and we see things, we can't always get our head around it. Guys, I do not understand how the death of all the people of Israel is going to be any good for anybody. And yet at the same time, I trust that we serve a God that is sovereign and is going to work good in it. Does that make sense? There's times I think when we look at things that we're like, man, God, this is hard. But guys, we serve a sovereign God. We do. It's a key tenet of what we believe. He is sovereign. He is holy. He is in charge. He allows things, but he's also not, you know, less powerful in things. God has got it all. He's not lacking. He's not thrown off his throne. And we know for sure that why did Jesus die? For the sake of all humanity, he worked the best good he ever could by the death of his son. Church, I think we can learn a bunch from this prayer. We can learn that we can trust our God, even as we do see things happening in Israel right now, even as our country does get a little crazier, moment by moment, even as people around us more and more seem to be against us. Guys, we can trust that God is working all this out. We can trust that he's got all this well in hand. And the truth is, is what is he asking of us? Submit and obey. He's saying, submit. Submit to me. Give your whole life to me and watch what I do with it. Verse 29. They continue their prayer. They say, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your words with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. 
So they continue this prayer, but now they're shifting gears. They've shifted to a different plea. What was their plea? Hey, God, even as the threats keep coming, God, even as people keep standing against us, God, even as maybe beatings come and things happen in our lives, give us boldness. Help us to just speak boldly to others and keep stretching out your hand to heal people. And keep stretching out your hand and doing signs and wonders in your name, Jesus. Keep doing these things. Keep doing all this stuff because we know that that's going to put you at the forefront of every conversation. God, we know that as we're bold to speak of you, you're going to be the one that's known about. Guys, here's what they were praying. Don't let our comfort and the threats of others get in the way of the work that you want to do in our lives. Listen to me. They're praying this. Don't let our comfort and the threats of others get in the way of what you want to do in our lives. That's what they were praying. Church, we need to hear that. We need this. We need it more and more. Guys, we need it. And I can sit up here and rah, rah, shish, bamboo, all of us, all day long, and it will mean nothing until you submit your lives to the Holy Spirit and start walking it out. That's the truth. The American church is anemic. We're dying. The only way we're going to come to life is through the Holy Spirit's power, bringing life. The only way the Holy Spirit will bring life is if we're open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. And I got a, a little clue for you. It's going to make you uncomfortable, and it might bring threats. What do you want more? The name of Christ, known here in the seacoast, or your comfort? It's a tough question, isn't it? You guys, I think as we walk these things out, this is another thing that I think is true. We can ask God and say, Lord, would you pour out healings? God, would you heal people in our church? God, would you heal people just out in the community? I'm not, listen to me, I'm not saying let's be a healing ministry and go chase that down. That's not at all what I'm saying. A healing that comes from the Lord brings glory to who? The Lord, not Benny Hinn. I am not looking for that. What I am looking for is a genuine move of the Holy Spirit here in the Seacoast area. I am in, I'm, I want to see God move through us as a church and through every God-fearing church, his church. And church, we need to wake up. Wake up. That's why we changed our name from Great Bay Calvary to Awaken, because I really do believe Ephesians 5.14 is a real thing, you guys, that we need to wake up, sleepers. Wake up. Recognize that time is growing short, you guys. If you don't look at Israel and think, huh, I wonder if this is it, then I don't know that you know Revelation very well. And maybe I'm wrong, and maybe this is just another growing pain, but this is a pretty big growing pain. Either way, I've, I've, listen, my little brother, I love him dearly, but he's always like, man, you know, the thing I don't like about Christians, the thing I don't understand is that they've been saying Jesus is coming back for thousands of years. I'm like, and guess what? He has been for thousands of years. He's been coming back from the day he left. And every generation is supposed to think that way and hear that. And everything we look at is meant to be like, God, come back. And by the way, until you do, make me busy about your work in my life. Because there are plenty of people here that I want to see in heaven. How about you? The only way it's going to happen is if we begin to get bold about what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Amen. You guys, I want to see people healed. I want to see signs and wonders to bring glory and honor to God's name, only to God's name. I'm sick and tired of the status quo. Here's what they were praying. They were sick and tired of being all set. Here they were, many of them, thousands of these people here in this moment, you guys, just had come to the Lord. They were brand new believers. And here they are, and they're like, man, we've been walking out this Jewish thing for a long, long time. And we found that it was a dead thing. It wasn't bringing us life, and we found life. 
And they were sick and tired of what they had before. Christians, we've been at this for a long time, haven't we? Do you know what we've lost along the way? Life. We've lost the Holy Spirit. Now, hear me. The Holy Spirit's dwelling inside of you. He resides inside of you. But for many of us, for many of us, and listen, I'm including myself in this. There's this constant struggle, isn't there, between the Spirit and the flesh. And, and I'm just being real. Listen, I like going home and getting in my basketball shorts and a t-shirt and curling up under my blankie and turning on my TV and watching Battlestar Galactica because I'm a nerd. I love that, guys. When my phone rings and it's somebody from the church and my show's in the middle of the show, sometimes I'm like, and I take the phone call because I love you guys. But I'm not going to sit up here and lie and be like, you guys, you need what I've got because I've got it and you don't know. We are all in the constant struggle of finding out, man, what does it look like to walk in the spirit? And I find more often than not, walking in the spirit brings me to a place that my comfort is having to be set aside consistently. And what I find is that the more I speak about who Jesus is out in the community, I get to into these amazing conversations. And sometimes, you guys, they're not always the most fun endings. There's a guy up in Rochester Starbucks that loves to just see me there studying so much. I love it. His name is Rob. Pray for that guy. He always comes up and wants to argue with me about everything. And I'm like, bro, I'm not here to argue with you. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. And I talk about Jesus. And then he gets really irate. And then the Starbucks people are like, why don't you go, Rob? And every time I'm like, see you next time, Rob. Pray that Rob stops arguing and starts listening. Mm -hmm. I also pray that I don't ever get wrapped up in the argument and that I just keep doing what I'm doing right now, which is this. I want to talk to you about Jesus. You want to talk about tongues? Bro, you're not even saved. Who cares about tongues? Let's talk about Jesus. You want to talk about Calvinism? Do you even know who Calvin was? I don't. Let's not talk about Calvinism. Let's talk about Jesus. I know who Jesus is. I do know who Calvin is, by the way. You get the point. Let's talk about the main thing. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. I got the privilege of talking to my brother down at Dover, who was a voodoo priest, and having the privilege to have gone over and had voodoo people praying curses over us while someone was coming to the Lord. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that was crazy, you know? And so like these moments in life allow for me to have a conversation with a guy that's like, oh, I'm into voodoo. I'm like, man, why? That's, that's horrible, man. That's, that's not good. There's nothing good in voodoo. I'm like, do you know any like good things in voodoo? And he's like, no, we just, you know, we, we get good out of it because we do these things. We kind of curse other people. And I'm like, that's, you get that that's not a good thing, right? And I was able to have this conversation. I'm like, man, I serve a God that loves and blesses and wants to show you that he loves you. He went and died for you, man. You don't have to do any cursing. You just have to ask him into your life, and everything changes. I get to have these amazing conversations even when they don't end well. Church, we need to be people that are ready and willing to jump into random conversations that may not end well. And by the way, I was speaking to someone today, and they were like, well, I'm an introvert. I get that. Do you know what we do? We ask God to give us the boldness of the Holy Spirit to work within the confines because he does, of who you are, because you are going to reach people, you introvert, that I never will because I'm a bulldozer. Right? And so guess who, guess who I get to talk to? The bulldozers. Who are like, pushing back, and I'm like, because I got the power of the spirit in me. <laughs> right? But the introverts are going to be like, I don't want to talk to you. They don't have to. They can talk to you, introvert. Are you bold enough to step out and talk? You guys, I want to see a church that's sick and tired of the status quo. I want us to be that church. Verse 31, let's finish it up. It says, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You guys, this prayer that was prayed by one person where everyone else was just agreeing in prayer with it, had this result. And what was the result? The building shook. Again, do you think they were chasing that? They're like, wow, that was like a 4.3 on the Richter. No, because the Richter scale didn't exist yet, you guys. Come on. No, you guys, but what happened? The building shook. 
It was like the Holy Spirit was like, I'm with you in this. I agree with this. Notice, too, that they were filled again with a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. They already received the Holy Spirit. Evidence yet again that we need to continually be asking God, Father, fill me afresh. Father, fill me to overflowing. God, I need your words today because I have no, convers- I have no clue what conversations I'm going to be walking, in, walking into. God, fill me up. Lord, I have no idea what times you're going to need me to shut my mouth. And so, God, you know me, and I know me enough to know that I need you, Holy Spirit, to glue this sucker shut when it needs to be shut, to keep me from speaking things that I don't need to speak to give me ears to hear, that I will be slow to speak. But when you want me to speak, to speak with the boldness and to speak with your words. We need the Holy Spirit for that. We need to keep asking God for more and more and more of, a, of, of who he is for a fresh filling. And they prayed finally to continue to speak in boldness about what Jesus had done in their lives. And again, I want you to hear this, church. Many thousands of these people were brand new Christians that probably didn't have much of the Old Testament memorized, that probably didn't really know a ton about what was going on. You guys, we have zero excuse because we, as a church, should be walking in the power of the Spirit. That's the point. They were evangelizing. They were on fire for God. And you guys, listen, I can't speak for everyone here today, but I'm telling you this. I'm speaking for myself here. And I pray that you guys feel the same way I do, but I am so sick and tired of where I'm at with God. I'm sick and tired of it. I want more. I'm tired. Guys, I want God to move. And if I'm being honest, The Jesus Revolution movie, we are a Calvary Chapel church, and it breaks my heart that Calvary Chapel's gotten so bogged down in the silliness of things in some ways that we've lost sight of the fact that this movement, this whole thing started in the power of the Holy Spirit, changing a bunch of freaks. When did we lose sight of that? We are a bunch of freaks. Why do we think we're so special and put together, New Englanders? We're not. We're messed up people. I am messed up. I need the Holy Spirit to change me, to get a hold of me. What about you? I'm sick of this. I want more of him. As the pastor of this church, you guys, I want more of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in this church. I need you guys to hear this. I am not chasing some weird thing. If we want that, go find your hyper-Pentecostal church, please, because that is not what I want. I don't want that. I want to find the balance of scripture. I want to find the order, but the power. I want to find what God has for us here in this church. And I have no clue what that's going to look like. And that should bring us all to a place of awe and wonder. And honestly, a slight bit of terror. Because I'm like, God, you are way bigger than us. God, you are way bigger than me. God, you are way bigger than the body that we have here at this church. Lord, what do you want to do through us? Because if you know anything about Chuck Smith and if you've read anything about the guy, he was so out of his league. He was so out of his depth. And he made a lot of mistakes. And by the way, we will too. But I would rather make mistakes knowing that we're walking in the power of the Spirit than to be all put together and be all set and do nothing. You guys, I'm praying for a fresh filling of the Spirit this morning. I'm praying for boldness in our church. I'm praying for strength. I'm praying for God to pour out a fresh work of revival here. And listen, I know some of you guys are visiting and you're like, what have I walked into? Here's what I hope you've walked into, something new. Not new scripturally, something new in New England. Because I'm kind of sick and tired of the way we are. Are you? I think that's what we see here in Acts. A group of people that were sick and tired of just doing the same old thing. And they found the one thing that mattered, Jesus. And they went and they shared it. And they went and they walked it out. And they went and they got beat up for it. 
and they went and they got in trouble and they lost their jobs and they had family members that didn't like them anymore and they had nothing to show except for Jesus Christ. That's the truth, you guys. And honestly, I want to be a church that has that heart. I really do. And in the process, we can thank God that we don't live in a country at the moment that all those things would be true. But what about if we did? It shouldn't change our hearts. So you guys, I'm going to ask you all to agree in prayer today. And I'm going to say something. I want to agree in prayer for these things. And we're going to do something a little probably completely uncomfortable for a lot of you. We do this on Wednesday nights a lot. I'm going to try it out on a Sunday, see what happens. If you're here today, though, and I need you to hear this, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ yet, you cannot pray in agreement for this prayer. You can't pray that God will give you more of the Holy Spirit when you have none. So my encouragement to you, if you're here today and you know who you are and you know where you're at and what you, what you, listen, it's not rocket science. I've said it before, you guys. My prayer of salvation was sitting in the back of a car on a cold winter night outside of a church with my friend and my prayer of salvation was this. I suck at this, Lord. Would you come and do something better? And I meant it. And he did. It's not rocket science. It's not some magic trick. It's accepting and knowing that Jesus died living a perfect life. He died perfectly for you and for me. And he rose again on the third day. Something that is utterly miraculous he had said he was going to do it to everybody. Tear down this temple and, three, temple, and in three days I will raise it again. I believe everything about what he did. It is literally the life raft that I am walking, that I'm living in for the rest of my existence here on earth. It's the thing that I am clinging to with all that I have. And it is as easy as accepting the fact that you are a sinner. You're a screwed up human being. And if you're here today and you are so full of pride that you actually think you're not, well, then my prayer for you is, is that you walk out these doors and realize that you're just as screwed up as the rest of us. I love it when people say, oh man, I don't know if I want to go to church full of hypocrites. I'm like, come join us. Because we are a bunch of hypocrites, aren't we? We're a bunch of sinners. The only difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is that a Christian realizes that our life raft is the only thing that's going to save us, Jesus. And we get in it, and we hold on for dear life. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, accept him. Understand that he died for you so that you can join us in prayer. If you're here today and you're just going through the motions and just checking the church block off, and you maybe show up here once a month when it fits into your busy social calendar, I'm going to Say a hard word to you guys. You ready? Probably everybody that's here isn't going to hear it because everyone that needs to hear this has too busy of a social calendar today. Unless you're sick. I know I'm going to get some emails. I was sick. That's why I wasn't there. My concern, guys, as we continue to go through the book of Acts and as we continue to strive to get to the place where the Holy Spirit is at, at at work here in our church, and whatever that's meant to look like in good order, biblically, how it's supposed to be done, my concern for those that are just coming and checking a block, guys, is that you are going to feel very left behind, that you're going to feel extremely left behind, but I need you to hear this. I'm also praying for you that you choose to catch up, because following Jesus isn't just a Sunday thing, y'all. It's, it's your life. It's every day. It's every moment of every day. That's following Jesus. So if you're here just checking a block on a Sunday, and there are some in our church that are, just being honest. I'm talking about statistics here. You're going to feel left behind. I pray because I pray that the Holy Spirit begins to move in us, you guys. But I, it's not a matter of being left behind. Catch up. Repent. Join us. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to break into groups of five or six tops. For you visitors, I'm sorry. This is the first time we're doing it. Uh, but I want us to break up into groups. And here's my encouragement to you guys. We're going to spend like five minutes. And then I'm going to come up and close this in prayer. And there's going to be some prayer points up there to pray about. But I want one of you in whatever group you're in, one, at least one of you, to be bold and to step out and pray. And I want the rest of you guys to agree in prayer. And if there's more than one person that wants to pray and you got time, take it. I'm not saying it has to be done in a certain way. 
But at least one person needs to be bold enough to pray. Here's what we're going to pray for, a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. We need it. A boldness to talk about Jesus and that God would pour a fresh work of revival in us. That's it, you guys. Get into your groups. Spend some time in prayer. Oh, Lord. God, we are so blessed today. I thank you, God, for the many, the many here in our church, God, that are just desiring to have more of you, to want more of you, Father. And I am asking, Lord, that today would be just a, a different day, God, that we as a church, Lord, would just be changed, God, in a radical way. Father, we are not looking for anything radical from you, Lord, except a move of your spirit, Lord. And so whatever that looks like here, God, I pray today would be the day, Lord, that we would see that, begin to see that worked out, Lord. Father, I pray in agreement with all of us, Lord, for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit for today. God, I pray, Father, that we as a people, Lord God, would just desire to want more of you every day. God, that today would not be the only day, Lord, that we would ask for it, but God, that we would just continually seek your your hand, God. Lord, I pray for a boldness, Lord, in us to speak about Jesus, Lord, to speak more about who you are, Lord, to move, God. And Father, I finally, I just pray, God, would you start a fresh work of revival in us, God? Lord, I pray, Father, that you would just help us, God, to understand and know what it is, God, to be your people, to walk things out in your power, And God, I don't care what you want to do, but Lord, I want to see it done. So God, move in us. Give us a heart of submission to do it. Help us, Father, as a church to be a church, Lord, that is just wanting to see you move more and more and more in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Awaken Great Bay in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our church or need prayer for something in your life, connect with us at awakengreatbay.com.